Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rigert, your host. I'm excited that you're with me today to share Freedom Fridays, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Today we entitled this, It's a Great Time to Be Alive. It really is. You know, it's an incredible test on all humanity going on right now, this battle between good and evil. I'm I'm meeting more and more people that are waking up. It's such a glorious time. There's some high-spirited people out there, my friends. I'll tell you more as we go along because you have to get inspired. You got to go out and you got to do your thing. This, this is a spiritual battle, and you see this from Scripture. You know, the weeds and the grain are growing together, and and they're separating themselves. You know, you wonder, you know, when Christ comes back and the end of this world comes, and who knows, you know, but all I know is I'm getting older and people I know are getting older, you know, and and, and who cares? I could be out on a banana peel tomorrow. We always got to be looking at the end, not not in a morbid way, in a joyous way. We're going someplace. I mean, we have a plan of action. We're going someplace, but we got to start that today because today determines where we're going. And we got to fight these battles right now. And it's a great time to be alive because they're out in the open. I love to be able to see it. The evil is all around us. And, and and it's not like I'm crazy about evil, but it was below us. And I was trying to explain it to people. And now you could see it. But you could also see the weeds. You could see the people that have nothing to do with reality, with truth, with the gospel. And they're separating themselves. You always wonder, you know, when Jesus comes back, how is he going to decide what? I think he's letting us to decide, right? So we're growing together side by side. I suggest you join the side with Christ and all that's true, all that's good, all that's beautiful, especially the beauty of love. It's such an incredible story. You wouldn't want a story any uh, any any different than this one. It's just such a beautiful story of a God who creates you in love, by love, and for love. It really seeks you to find you, to redeem you, and fill you with divine life and love as a as a uh, as, as really it's as a uh, a son and daughter of of God Himself. I mean, can you believe that? Right, the God of the universe wants you to be His sons and daughters, a big family. It's a beautiful thing, and then we're filled with love, and then we become these persons of love. You know, it's not brain surgery; it's the two great commandments. I was listening to the great Dr. Peter McCullough. I hope you know who he is. You know, he has a podcast out there, Peter McCullough. He's he's one of the doctors that stood up early on with Dr. Robert Malone and others against this medical tyranny when these vaccines were coming out and being mandated, and they saw the problems with them right away. They understood that these are, these are scientists and doctors, and boy, they got beat up, right? Do you remember that? I, I could tell you story after story, even my own uh, daughter's a doctor, and, and she got, you know, she, she's a young doctor. They get indoctrinated at medical schools. They're, they're really taught not to think for themselves, just to follow the, the CDC guidelines and et cetera, et cetera. But you had these older doctors that have been around for a while, and they saw this baloney coming, and they said, hey, 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 this is going too fast. Let's make sure these are safe before you inject these things into our body. And I remember telling her that she was nervous about me. She cares about me. You know, she said, Dad, how come you won't get vaxxed? And I gave her the story. Look at these are abortion tainted, uh, uh, experimental gene serum, serums, and there's no way I'm putting something like that into my body till I find out what it is. And is it you? You know, if they use aborted fetuses, there's no way I'm going to take some some beautiful human being that was killed and then and then use that person so that I can live. No, thank you. Don't want anything to do with that. But anyways, he stood against this, and I told my daughter I sent her something about. Dr. Peter McCullough, and she came back, did some quick Google searches. And of course, mass media and social media is beating them up and, and you know, calling them a quack and all these things. The, the, the most published cardiologist 
in in the United States, maybe in the world. I mean, incredible, impeccable. And um, and anyways, he was getting beat up again by social media. Well, you know, they they get used to reading this stuff. And uh, and they don't have the time. They're busy people, right? Doctors, they don't have the time. So she she sent me something back about him. She goes, "Oh, see, uh, this is who he is." And I thought, "Oh my gosh, you're just you know drinking the Kool Aid along with everybody else, right?" But he didn't care. He knew he stood up for something. You know, when you when when you have your own moral foundation, when you have a foundation in Jesus Christ, you have the power to do that to stand up against unbelievable pressure and that's what he did i remember seeing him so tired but he was he would go out anyways and he he just wanted to save as many people as he could from being sick and etc and just telling them the truth look at everybody has their own choice he said but i just want to share the truth with you so anyways we we're we're against a force that's hell-bent on destroying humanity and it's an age-old battle and, and and dr peter mccullough uh and others saw that right off the bat okay quick summary don't forget to rate the podcast. Uh, it really helps us move up in the rating. Share it with other people. Sign up for our newsletter. And finally, uh, financially support us. You know, we can't do this work without you. There's a lot of work to do out there. Don't forget on Mondays, I'm doing Tuesday night at the Smith Home, a gospel meditation where we're really bringing the culture, right? We're looking at the culture and then the gospel presupposes culture goes in there and, and the great physician, Jesus Christ, goes in and into the culture. And if you allow him to, we'll drain out the sin and infection and then, and then and restore it all huh, to the true, the good, again, and the beautiful. And he does this in love and mercy. And when you read the Gospels, it's amazing, you know, and he wants to bring us to eternal life. On Wednesdays, we have John Paul's general audience where we're unpacking theology, the body. Same thing. It's our experience of life that meets the Gospel in a way that we have that aha moment. You know, when you say, oh, I knew that already. I just never heard it articulated that way. You know, wh- th- these are the core things. What does it mean to be a human being? Who are you? What's your meaning and purpose? You know, what is it about marriage and the family? That's the second thing. Marriage and the family, because we're called to love each other. Again, there's two great commandments. Got to know who you are. Got to open yourself up. Decide which side of this this battle you're on. Open yourself up to God. Be filled in and walk into to relationships. You know, we're, human beings are all about relationships. And then we go out and help Christ uh, restore the culture. Wednesday is very important. And then and then Friday, where I'm really bringing the country into this life, uh, life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness right from the Declaration of Independence. And I'm seeing more and more people stand up uh, with me and for me and inspiring me that we're uh, ahead of the game even. Beautiful stuff. Young guys like Charlie Kirk from uh, Turning Point USA, uh, great job with college, college students. And they're starting to inspire the college students to come out, bringing them hope and faith and love, common sense, bringing some good human history into it. All right. Hey, buckle up and get ready for today's episode. The most common form of government throughout history has been what? It's been kings. Power always wants to consolidate in the hands of one person and goes to the top. Sometimes it has to be shared. You have this in crime syndicates and gangs and corporations. And what kind of relationship you have with this person that seeks power is what makes you more or less equal in those types of societies. The closer you get to the king, the powerful, you know, the, 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 the more or less equal you're going to be compared to the serfs and the slaves below. And slavery was always common throughout history. Kings on top, slaves at or near the bottom. Technology, the newest technology was always used first for what? For weapons. 
you know, and the king with the Bronze Age, then iron, gunpowder, more and more people could be subdued, tyranny, it was easier, more people could be killed. And they always wanted to track people. Don't forget this. This is nothing new. Augustine, uh, Augustus Caesar, think about the Holy Family. Remember, on their way to where? To, to Bethlehem to do what? For the, for the, uh, the census. And, and why? For control, for money, to instill fear. We know where you're at. One world power, trying to consolidate power. They wanted everybody to have to go there and sign up. And, and the U.S. took that. The USA took that. And, and, and flipped this pyramid on its head, flipped this whole structure on its head and said, no, nope, it's going to be for the people, by the people. And, and this was a whole different thing. We're not going to have kings. Well, where did this idea come from? Did, where did the founders get this idea that wasn't done before, that we flip a power structure on our head? Ah, it's never been done before since the Israelites left for the promised land and for for 400 years you know out of, uh, they were in Egypt and then they got out of Egypt where they were ruled they were the slaves and uh, and so this is before king saw uh, they had no king for 400 years <clears throat> i want to read you just a little part of samuel chapter 8 it's such a beautiful thing and God warns the people about this. But I want to make a point here. One of the reasons they wanted a king is because they were run, you know, they were really had what they called judges then. What was the religious leaders of the day that would, that would uh, you know, um, tell them about God, tell them about their laws, challenge them to do the right thing, everything's true, good, and beautiful. And then also... Um, what happened was they became corrupted. And so the church, just like it is today, the church, instead of being an authority of bringing God into the story, you don't need kings. You don't need the city of man. You don't need that power because God is giving you not only the power, right, to fill, to, 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 uh, to live this out, but he's also giving you the whole structure. So you have the whole structure there. You know how to live, and he's challenging you to do that. Now, it has to be a moral decent, moral, religious people to work. And that's why our founders said the same thing. Democracy, the way it was set up in the United States, can only work if it's done by a moral, religious people. Because otherwise, we just we're all we all become our little tyrants, and then finally, the power works its way up, and the whole system becomes corrupt. And that's what happened here. So this is chapter 8. They, re- they re- request a king. So they don't have a king again for 400 years, but is, and Samuel is, is the judge then at that time. So in his old age, Samuel appoints his son's judges because he's old over Israel. His firstborn was named Joel, his second, uh, Abijah, and they judged at Beersheba. His sons did not follow his example, but sought illicit gain, listen to this, and accepted bribes perverting justice. Sound familiar? Therefore, all the elders of Israel came in a body to Samuel and said to him, Now that you are old and your sons do not follow your example, appoint the king over us as other nations have to judge us. And Samuel was displeased when they asked for a judge to judge them. And he prayed to God, however, who said in answer, Grant the people every request. It is not you they're rejecting. They're rejecting me as their king. And you can see that with Jesus Christ on the cross. They put a crown on his head, a crown of thorns, and, and, and mocking him, and they, and they hung him on a cross. They rejected him as king. See, this is an age-old battle. When you start to put this all together, it's amazing how, the, how clear this all becomes what we're going through here. And I'm going to go on here from verse 8. As they had treated me constantly from the day I brought them up from Egypt to this day, 
God is speaking here, deserting me and worshiping strange gods so they treat you too. Now grant their request, but at the same time warn them solemnly and inform them of the rights of the king who will rule over them. Samuel delivered the message of the Lord in full to those who were asking him for a king. He told them, listen to this warning. I mean, this is exactly what happens. The rights of the king who will rule you will be as follows. Think about Joe Biden. He comes into power in the United States, and he's a corrupt right, individual. He, he really has no moral uh, heart, no moral value. You can see this in his actions. You know, um, It's not just that he, he's mentally unstable. He's probably, you know, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's deteriorating before our eyes. But this was going on for a long time because when your conscience gets uh, clouded, and you can see this, his first executive orders, you know this already, were for abortion, LBGTQ rights, and a cons- a consolidating power right off the bat. It was, you know, it was, he calls himself a Catholic. Yeah. And just like G.K. Chesterton said, you know, just because, you know, you're sitting in the church doesn't make you a Catholic or a Christian any more than sitting in your garage makes you a car. We're just hypocrites. You know, Jesus talks about this all the time. But, anyways, think about this now as he consolidated power. This is happening in the United States right now. We flipped this on our head, but we no longer had those religious, moral people. So, what happens? We asked for a king. In essence, that's what we asked for. We voted for somebody that's a king. Now, I, you know, I, in my opinion, uh, you know, there was there was a lot of corruption in the election. But neither here nor there, there was still a lot of people that voted for a king. The city of God, the city of God was thrown out. So they asked for a city of man. It's amazing. God is such a great ruler, you know. And and again, you have this true, the good, the beautiful, especially the beauty of love. We throw that out because we want to have a king, a man rule over us with all his idiosyncrasies and his evil in so many ways and his corruption, his lust for power, sex, money. And listen to what God says here. He told them, the rights of the king who will rule over you will be as follows. He will take your sons and assign them to his chariots and horses, and they will run before his chariot. He will also appoint them among his commanders of groups of a thousand and of a hundred soldiers. He will set them to do his plowing and his harvesting and make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will use your daughters as ointment makers, as cooks and as bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves and give them to his officials. Isn't that what's happening now? This is what inflation does. This is what socialists do. They pound the middle class. They take everything from them. They they distribute some crumbs. To, you can see this with the with the $10,000. Now they want to get the student loans and et cetera, et cetera. They, they give trinkets to everybody below and then they suck, they siphon off the rest of it. It's amazing what they're doing right now. Right now, to people, and I don't even know if if if, if most of the I don't know if the people that voted for him even understand this stuff. It's an incredibly naive position because this has been going on forever. He will take the best of your fields, vineyards, olive groves, and give them to his officials. He will tithe your crops and your vineyards and give the revenue to his eunuchs and his slaves. He will take your male and female servants as well as your best oxen, your asses, and use them to do his work. He will tithe your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When this takes place, you will complain against the king whom you have chosen, but on that day the Lord will not answer you. The people, however, refused to listen to Samuel's warning and said, and isn't this true too? I mean, so many of us stood up and said, this is what's going to happen. 
They refuse to listen to anybody's warning. They get these hard hearts, huh? Not so. There must be a king that rules over us. That's what all these people, these socialists and Marxists in our country did. You, too, must be like other nations with a king to rule over us and to lead us into warfare and fight our battles. Well, these kings don't fight our battles. We, they use us to fight their battles. Oh, my gosh, we're so, no, so naive and corrupt ourselves. When Samuel had listened to all the people had to say, he repeated it to the Lord, who then said to him, grant their request and appoint a king to rule over them. In, a, in essence, give them what they want. And so that's what he did. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen said this, a nation gets the kind of politicians it deserves. He said this over 60 years ago. A nation always gets the kind of politicians it deserves. If a time ever comes when the religious Jews, the Protestants, and the Catholics ever have to suffer under a totalitarian state, which would deny them the right to worship God according to their light of their conscience, it will be because for years they thought it made no difference what kind of people represented them in Congress because they abandoned the spiritual in the realm of the temporal. We gave up the spiritual. We don't even know who we are anymore. We threw God out, and now we just live in this temporal age, which was always supposed to be infused with divine life and love right from the beginning. This is an old story, but we all get a chance to step onto the stage. And but we forget it. We step onto the stage and we think, oh, this is kumbaya. We're all on a, on a cruise ship. Let's, let's rest as much as we can. Let's accumulate as much as we can. Let's try not to work very much. Hey, your life is ticking away. Like, like Peter, Dr. B, Peter McCullough said, like Bishop Sheen said, John Paul II said, and I'm saying this is a great time to be alive. But you have to be doing something great with your life. And God wants you to do that. Become who you are is the name of this podcast. That's from St. Catherine of Siena. Become who you are, and you will light the world on fire. Hey, look at You know, we're going to die. We're going to be out of here soon enough. I mean, what are we doing? We're wasting it on Netflix and pornography and using each other and on these ridiculous ideologies. I mean, this is a sick, sick place that we're in, but it's a great time to be alive because we know the answer. We know the message. Not everybody's going to take it. You know, God lets the weeds and the wheat grow together and let him be the judge. Our, our, um, our job is to love everybody, to bring divine life and love in, but also to bring the truth. God said very clearly, Jesus said very clearly, the gospels say this, you know, you cannot have authentic love, which we all desire. John Paul said, you know, mankind, men and women cannot live without love. It's the basis of the essence of who God is. And we're filled with that, looking for love, promulgating love, irradiating. God wants us to radiate love, his love throughout the whole world. And, uh, and so you have evil. And what does evil do? The opposite. They're grasping, taking, and filling themselves. I will not serve. I want to be God. I'll tell you what is good and what is evil. And that's the, the culture today. But it's not the first time. It's just the, the first time that, that it's consolidated. This evil has grown, just popped its head up all over, and the whole world wants it. Even in World War One, World War Two, as many nations that were involved, it wasn't the whole na- you know, the whole world being taken over by this evil. So something new is happening here, and uh, we have to be careful about it, right? It starts here just like like it did in uh, in, in Samuel that I just read. It starts with the corruption and uh, in, in the infiltration into the churches, and you have this today too. 
Think about Father James Martin, embraced by so many bishops and even by Pope Francis himself, who does what? He goes against church teaching when it comes to uh, homosexuality, LBGTQ issues, etc. And look at he's a Catholic priest. Do whatever you want, you know. Weeds and weed grow together. Let God judge that. But but the church leaders should never, ever, ever let heresies and you know this dysfunction be uh, preached in the churches because you confuse the people. And so when you allow him, and, and actually like Pope Francis brings him into the Vatican, shows him off, gives him these uh, you know a job in the Vatican with uh, communication, etc. You know, there's an agenda behind all this, and it's uh, it's really a sad thing. You know, the Bible, uh, he said, gets things wrong when it comes to homosexuality, marriage between a man and a woman. You know, something, by the way, that everybody knew seven minutes ago. I mean, you're pulling the wool over what? Whose eyes are you pulling the wool over? So again, look at, you know, you're, if you're adults or listening to this, right, you're adults, you know, do whatever you want. You know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not for that, but I, I'm tired of people taking the innocence away from my kids and my grandkids and all the kids that we talk to on these retreats and stuff. This is a sad thing that you're doing. You know, when Michael Voris from Church Militant would get down on, on Martin in the past, sometimes I'd go, oh, you know, you're going too far, but he understood something. This is going back four or five years. He warned that if you let things go like this, those small heresies and the blasphemies, the lies, will continue to get worse and worse and worse. And he was right. He understood Marxism. He understood socialism. He understood the power and the corruption of a man's heart. And they'll just push and push and push and push until they go too far. And you're not doing uh, Father James Martin or anybody else any good by allowing him to propagate these lies. Look at Everybody doesn't have to choose the church or Jesus Christ. I get that. But at least within the church, talk from Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus Christ came in with a message. He's a person that had a message and a very clear. And, uh, and so let's not distort the truth. I mean, when, 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 when you bring evil right into the church, I mean, that's a sad thing. You know, he'll say that Jesus, and, and you see this with Father James Martin, but don't you see Jesus ate with sinners? Well, of course he did. But Father James Martin, you know, it, you know, I'm just going to call him James Martin from now. I can't call him Father because you know the fa- he reminds me of the Father of Lies. Uh, you know, of course Jesus came into the world. He came in the world that he ate with sinners and he spent time with sinners. He spent time with guys like me because why? Because he wanted to save us. He loved us enough to search for us, spend time with us, have dinner with us, and then he would say. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. See, that's the little part that that James Martin misses. The whole reason Jesus came, he was crucified because of our sins. Do you really think he condoned them? Father Martin, James Martin, you're no fool. Priests have some of the most extensive education available. There are people that are just naive out there, gullible out there. You are not one of them. You're propagating this for a reason. So, you know, I look at I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly why. I mean, maybe you went through uh, sexual abuse. I, I don't know his whole thing. Uh, I don't know. But let's be clear. You know, he stood before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he chose evil. So let's just call a spade a spade. We have no more time to play games here. Of course, people with same-sex attraction and LBGT, these are all our brothers and sisters. Christ would invite them all into the church, and so should we. He loved them all, so should we. He showed mercy, so should we. Look, at I have people in my own, in my own life. I came back into the church with my brother Danny, who was sexually abused by one of these people that Father James Martin would embrace probably, 
right? In my opinion, and and be for and stand for. But he was in, he was abusing young men, and he abused my brother. And my brother contracted AIDS later on. On his deathbed, he was the only one of five of us that had come back into the church that had heard Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus sees this kind of stuff goes on, and he comes. He came back into my brother's Danny's life, and and he went through a long, painful death. But on his deathbed, he brought me back into the church, and so God works in mysterious ways. But it's sad, uh, uh, James Martin. It's really sad to to wallow in your own sins and ask us all to wallow in, in, in our sins, too. Let's be clear. You know, I, I'm out to protect the innocent ones, the children who are being sexually abused by the millions, not thousands, but millions of them in the United States and, and, and all over the world. And it's not just women and children. A lot of young boys are being uh, sold as sex slaves and being sexually abused by teachers yeah, and in the church, too. But, you know, there's way more of them being abused by teachers than there are by priests. The stats are out there. Go look them up. You know, while the evil among us, including the wolves in sheep's clothing right within the church and abusing our children, these gender ideologies are into our schools now. This uh, critical race theory, 1619 projects, they allow the slavery of women all over the world without a word. Where's Father James Martin on this? I just said I was not going to call him Father, but I'm so used to it. Where's James Martin on this? Why isn't he speaking up against these types of things? Quit spending so time, so much time condoning and, and embracing a sin, and let's go out and let's try to do good things in the world. You know, let's stop allowing mass murder of, of children in the womb, but also the mass murder and destruction and, and abuse of all the young and the innocent. You know, you can't condone this kind of stuff. You know, the children that should be safe in their mother's womb. Where's Father Martin on that, huh? And then the chemically and surgically castrated, rendered infertile. You know, uh, you know, Jesus said uh, uh, about Satan, right? He was a murderer from the beginning. The evil of the world, huh? It's out in the open right now, and we got to call a spade a spade. Father Martin... You were called into the church as a priest. You know, be a priest, and 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 otherwise get out of the church at least. You know, because there's an enemy in our world who hated God, and being a creature like we, us, he's an angel. Satan is, but he's a creature like us. He was created, but he couldn't destroy God. So what would he do? He would have to go after the image and likeness of God in the world. And what is that? That's a hum- human being created how male and female who is called to be fertile and multiply, to procreate, to be co-creators really with God, to be filled with divine life and love, and then bring eternal beings that will be in God's sons and daughters forever and be with us forever. Human life means nothing to socialists and Marxists, nothing to people that will abuse the young, atheists, liars, and murderers from the beginning. Does Father Martin speak on these issues? No. Just that we can throw out the Bible, he said, and anything else that gets in the way of his worldview. Again, he is an adult, but to be allowed to confuse young people is an atrocity. Luke 17, you know, verses 1 through 10, Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Michael Boris was right. You know, and, and he asked the bishop one time, not too long ago, he said, why don't you speak up against James Martin being allowed to go preaching on in the church? And the bishop kind of self-righteous said, I would never let uh, Father James Martin speak in my diocese. But 
as Vor said, of course he he does, and and of course he can, because it's called social media. Did, did this bishop ever hear of it? Unless you stand up, unless you stand up, you're allowing him to speak to in your diocese, whether he's physically there or not, makes no difference in today's world. Pope uh, Saint Felix the Third, he died in four ninety two. Four ninety two. He said this: not to oppose error is to approve it. And not to defend truth is to suppress it. And indeed, to neglect to confound evil men when we can do it is no less a sin than to encourage them. You want me to read that again? Not to oppose error is to approve it, dear bishop. Not to defend truth is to suppress the truth, dear bishop. And indeed, to neglect to confront, right? To confound and confront evil men when we can do it is no less a sin than to encourage them in their sins. We see today the FBI being weaponized by uh, the Biden administration. You know, where's where's the church on all this stuff? The C- CDH, the NIH, to attack political opponents and more. You know, when I first spoke abusing my conscience not to take an abortion-tainted experimental gene serum, I was attacked you know, over and over again. But nothing even remotely close to the frontline doctors and the nurses who had the courage to speak up. You know, the people in politics who are getting raided by the FBI now, the Steve Bannons of the world, uh, the Dr. Peter uh, Navarro's of the world, you know, speaking up, uh, you know, what is what is what is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? What does that take like? And, and man, the attacks, huh? So, I you know I could talk about a million different things here. I I know it's going to get kind of late in this podcast to maybe to bring this up, but I just want to touch on on a couple of things, you know, and and I'll get into it more later on, but I'm working with uh critical race theory, gender ideologies in our schools, and I work with a group out of Portland, Oregon who are pushing back against these radio, uh radical ideologies in their schools, especially for very young children. Again, let let me be clear on this thing. So I don't get in the weeds with any of you, and you don't turn around and get in the weeds. Let you know I, we're not. I'm not speaking to adults that are just in different lifestyles. That's up to them. But don't indoctrinate our kids. Don't sexually abuse our kids. Don't normalize and groom sexual ideologies to our kids. This is up to their parents, you know. And this is what we're going up against. Don't use critical race theory to separate us. This country is the most diverse, beautiful country in the world. Yes, full of sinful people. We get it. But that's not because of the way the founders, you know, put this thing together. It, it, like John Adams said. It's going to be a religious and moral people. Otherwise, it won't work, and that's why it's not working now. So, so yes, you know, racism and these radio, uh, and it was a terrible thing. But, but we don't have that anywhere near like we ever had. And what we're doing now, we're creating again. We're starting to create racism all over again, dividing them up. It, it's you know, Biden administration is going totally backwards now, and we're teaching that we're systemically racist, that we hate each other because we have different melatonin in our skin. That's baloney. I don't think young people believe that. I don't think old people anymore believe that. I don't, I, I think most of the people that were that were um, uh, real racists, I think most of them have died out. You know, unfortunately, we have uh, the Marxist and the ideology, uh, ideolo- uh, ide- ideologues in our culture and in our church, and and uh, and and because it's at the end of the day, racism is evil, and so is Marxism is evil because Marxism does nothing but divide, just like racism does. In fact, it uses racism as it does now to divide us. 
So that's what we have to be cognizant of. You know, they're going to attack the innocence of our young people and attack the very essence of who we are as people. You know, when I get to the ideologies behind it all, but, you know, it's, it's, an, it's, it's creating an incredible amount of mental illness in our young people. And, these, you know, when you start to distort our human sexuality, it's the essence of who we are as people and then creating division with CRT and these labels, LBGTQ. This is, you know, this is unnecessary in our schools. And this is what we're trying to, to, to take back our schools and say, look at, just teach them, you know, educate them about true history English, math, science, these ideologies do not need to be in the school. Let's tell the truth. Let's talk about racism. I don't have a problem with that. Nobody should have a problem with that. Let's talk about slavery. But let's make sure they know it was all the way from the beginning almost of, of time we have this recorded. United States didn't make this up, and we're not systemically racist. In fact, right here in the United States, even in the Civil War, thousands upon thousands of young men died You know, uh, fighting for freedom, you know, a white man died fighting for young white men died fighting for freedom, wounded, hurt, right? For for people that had melatonin in their skin different than them and understood these things. Abraham Lincoln certainly understood this thing. So, you know, just let's call a spade a spade again. Our country was is imperfect, but it's the most perfect of the imperfect countries. And it was founded on these truths that we hold to be self-evident from the Declaration of Independence. And these truths that we find to be the most self-evident are these, it says, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, which among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to secure these rights, governments, this is when we flipped it on our head, are instituted among men deriving their just powers, powers with a capital P. That's how it's, it's done in the U.S. Uh, Declaration of Independence, with a capital P, powers, to keep in mind that that word power is, is given by the consent of the governed, governed by us. We're voting for these people to represent us. Why? So we can keep working on our farms and our factories and keep the economy going. And so we don't have time to deal with these issues every day. So we appoint representatives to represent our view in that area and take that to Congress. That's what they're supposed to be doing, not taking the power and our money and everything else from us. This is ridiculous. See, Whenever And then it goes on to say this, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it's the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government, laying its foundations back on such principles, again, getting back to those original principles, organizing principles. And it says here, and again, organizing its powers, capital B, in such form, capital F, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and their happiness. See, when things go wrong, we're supposed to look at that, go out and take take that back, form a new government if we have to bring new people in. We have to do this. And it was a battle from the very beginning. We all, I think somehow we put our heads in the sand and we just allow these tyrants to rule us. Evil will rule you if you don't come back against it. Um I, you know, I may not want to keep going on here because I wanted to bring up some examples from the Portland schools, uh, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that soon. Watch for this next Friday. I'm going to dig right into the gender ideologies and the CRT because I want to open this up to you, to you. I want you to be able to use this information to be able to see what's going on here. Again, our job is to love people 
and especially the innocent, uh, you love everybody, but especially the innocent people. You know, it, you know, if somebody has same-sex attraction, LBGTQ, you know, these teachers are naive. It's our job to go out and love them and bring them back into the truth, right? Or at least offer them. This is the, the main thing. You know, John Paul II would always say, don't impose on anybody. You know, this is life, liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. And people can do that in, in, the, in any way they want. But they also have to give all of us freedom to live the way we want. You know, this is not a one-way street. So when you start to um, indoctrinate our children, you're saying it's a one-way street. And this is what I want to uh, show you, some of the th- tools that they're actually using in those schools. They're not giving them choices. They're taking away their choices. They're indoctrinating them. I wrote in my newsletter, this last newsletter, you remove God from your family, that's your prerogative. I replied, now sit back and watch the train wreck. Sit back and watch until the train wreck comes for you. It always does. Take a few minutes to reflect on the radical dysfunction going on in so many families today. How many families have experienced divorce, children out of wedlock, pornography addiction, eating disorders, gender dysphoria, drug and alcohol use, domestic violence, abortion, anxiety, depression, gender ideologies pushed on our kids to creating mental illness, suicidal thoughts, the crime on our streets, and inflation caused by this in, this incompetent and corrupt government and, the, and these people that we have in the Biden administration, uh, this attack that we're hearing on our food supply, the energy resources taken away from us. It's amazing that, that we, can, we can take away the energy uh, from our own people and then buy and sell it to, to the Chinese. I mean, you have to look into this yourself. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing evil going on in the world. According to the Mayo Clinic and the Almstead Medical, Search, uh, Medical uh, Center researchers, nearly 70% of Americans today are on prescription drugs. Antidepressants and opioids were the second and third most common drugs prescribed. And while all this is going on in the culture, the number of bishops openly uh, oppo- proposing teachings contrary to those established by the church continues to go on, allowing guys like James Martin to go out and spew this, 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 this crazy, really insane heresy around. Jesus said, this is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see and hear but do not understand. Isaiah's prophecy, uh, Jesus said, is fulfilled in them, which says, gross is the heart of this people. And they will hardly hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and can be converted, and I will heal them. He wants to come in and heal us. We have to tell the story because Jesus wants their hearts. You know, understand that the threats to our families, especially those that target the most innocent among us, are very real and interrelated. Whether it's the destruction of a child in its mother's womb or the sexual perversions promoted by the Biden administration that are taught in our schools and fed directly into our home via uh, Disney, Netflix, the mass media, social media, modern culture has put targets on the backs of our children. Keep that in mind. Modern culture has put targets on the back of our children. And it should be obvious to anyone left with ears to hear and understanding in their hearts that St. Lucia's message, the St. Lucia Fatima's message is ringing true, that the decisive battle between the kingdom of God and Satan will be over marriage and the family. Jesus said to them, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning 
and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's from John 8, uh, 43 and 44. Really, it's something to, to, to read that whole uh, section there from John 8. John Paul II said, Of the many paths along which men and women walk, the family is the first and most important. It's a path common to all of us, yet one that is particular, unique, and unrepeatable, just as every individual is unrepeatable. It's a path from which men and women cannot withdraw. Indeed, a person normally comes into the world within a family and can be said to owe to that family the very fact of his existing as an individual. When a person comes into a world that has no family, the person coming into the world develops an anguished sense of pain and loss, one that will sub- subsequently burden his whole life. You know, at the beginning of his mission, we find Jesus at Cana, at the wedding feast of Cana, taking part in a wedding banquet together with Mary and his first disciples. The, the second chapter of John relates this right from the very beginning of that, starting with verse 1. And Jesus wishes to make clear to what extent the truth about the human family is part of God's revelation and the history of salvation. You know, in the Old Testament, and particularly in the prophets, we find many beautiful expressions about the love of God. It's a gentle love like that of a mother for her child. It's a tender love like that of a bridegroom for his bride. But at the same time, an equally intense, an intensely jealous love. It wants to protect us and keep us for himself because he knows that when he he brings us in like a mother uh, a mother hen you know you know bringing her little uh, chicklings or you know or little ones in, in, you know around her it keeps her sa- keeps her safe right and jealous of that it's not in the first place a love which chastises but one that forgives a love which which goes out to meet each man and each woman just as the father does in the case of the prodigal son it's a love which raises us up and gives us a sheer and divine life. It's an amazing love, something entirely new and previously unknown to the whole pagan world. This is Jesus Christ, and this is what he brings us. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being with me. We'll talk a little bit more about all this stuff. It's so important to have. It's so important to unpack and to see what's going on and to know that you're not alone. I would definitely suggest you reach out to others, form groups, and if you want to, uh, email me, and I can talk about those kind of things, how to form those groups more, how to get involved more. So it's up to you. If you send me some emails, you you send me a couple of emails on what particular uh, information that you want or what you're looking for or the things that are concerning you, and I'll address these in in all of these uh, different presentations. So that's what I'm here for. That's what I want to do. Hey, God bless you. Pray for everybody. Pray for, uh, I'm going to call him Father here. Pray for Father James Martin. You know, pray for Pope Francis and his conversion. Pray for President Joe Biden. He's caused a lot of pain and destruction, but we're still called to love him and pray for him. Pray for all of us. We all need prayers, huh? Hey, God bless you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. (laughs) 